Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We're a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. So, happy day of reconciliation, church. It's a great day in our country where we remember his, um, his reconciliating power, actually, in our nation. And where we remember the miracle that is our democracy, actually. So we should never take these things for granted. Sometimes 20 years after democracy and we, we get hung up about the Guptas and all that, and, and we should, but we remember that our nation is actually a miracle. So I'm thankful for that today. Do you need a quick stretch? Stand up, say hello to somebody. Quickly stand on your two feet. And turn, whoa, 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 whoa. Turn to the person next to you. And say hello. Okay. And now turn to the person who was your second choice and say, I'm sorry. Are you ready for the word this morning? We're in a season of Advent at the moment. The, uh, the season of Advent is a tradition in the church calendar where for on the first Sunday of December, the one that's closest to the 30th of November, in fact, that is when the season of Advent starts and it continues until Christmas Day. And for 2,000 years, church, churches have been Christians, Christ followers, have been lighting candles in the season of Advent Advent means coming. It comes from the Latin word adventus. It's the time, it's the season, the, the period in the church calendar where we not only celebrate, but when we prepare our hearts for Christ's coming. So Advent is a season when we take time to prepare our hearts so that we look different to the world and we don't arrive at Christmas 100 miles an hour and go, whoa, here's Christmas, but where we've been preparing our hearts. And so it's tradition in church history and church tradition to light candles, to remind ourselves that He is the light of the world, and to remind ourselves of peace, hope, joy. We remind ourselves when we light candles that we have seen a great light and the darkness can never extinguish that light. So this Advent season, this time leading up to Christmas, may you prepare your hearts. May you think on His coming. May you ponder it. May you consider it. And may the peace, hope, and joy that we have through Christ be yours in a special measure this Advent season. So let's pray. Father, thank you. We get to be in your house. We get to rub shoulders with people in community. We get to be together, reminding ourselves that we're a people gathered under your name. We're a people gathered for your purposes. We're people gathered with a purpose of moving towards you, Jesus, becoming more Christ-centered. Thank you that we get to be that this morning. Thank you that we get together as we lead into Christmas to prepare, to think about, to ponder, to anticipate 
your coming, Jesus. Would you speak to us this morning from your word, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. This season, uh, this Advent season, we've been in a series called Here Comes Heaven. It's been a series, church, where we've been thinking about and, and learning about the fact that the coming of Christ was not simply about Jesus. You know, so much, rightly so, is made of Jesus at Christmas, but we've been digging into the fact that Christ's coming was very much a collective effort by the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all played an express role, an important role in it. Now, Matthew, in his gospel, the first book of the New Testament, Matthew, he's at pains. He is deliberate. He's very intentional about telling us some stuff which is not contained in any of the other four, in any of the other three gospels. So neither Mark, Luke, or John tell us what Matthew tells us. Because Matthew has a kind of an agenda that he wants to get across. He has, he has several, but one of them is that he wants to convey to us a special role that one of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit is a Trinity. He wants to tell us about the Holy Spirit, Matthew. Matthew's gospel tells us, for example, that Mary got pregnant with the Holy Spirit. I mean, just stop and think about that for a moment. Pregnant with, I mean, how, how does that work? Do you wake up one day and start feeling butterflies in your tummy and things moving around and like, I'm pregnant, like, you know? I mean, she was warned about it, she, but I wonder, what it, I wonder what it felt like for her. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 tells us this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Matthew tells us that the Holy Spirit was the one who instigated the story of Jesus. He was the agent of it. He was the one who brought it about. Then Matthew goes on to tell us that Joseph, Mary's husband, had three dreams. In chapters 1 and chapters 2 of Matthew's book, he tells us Joseph had three dreams, kind of three encounters with the Spirit of God. The first thing the Holy Spirit had to do was to tell Joseph to chill out. Because he knew he hadn't had any sex with her. However, she was pregnant. How many of you men here would need a little convincing? So the Holy Spirit's first job is, Joseph, just relax. Don't be afraid. You can take Mary as well. She hasn't gone gallivanting, okay? She has not been out and about. She's okay. She's still the same woman you thought she was. Second dream. Joseph gets told, take your family and get to Egypt because Herod is on a mission to kill baby boys. So we see... Not only is the Holy Spirit the agent of Mary's pregnancy, not only is he the instigator of the story, not only is he the one who makes Mary pregnant, he is the one who convinces Joseph to stick with the plan. He's also the one who reminds Joseph, tells Joseph, warns Joseph, get to Egypt. Lastly, when everything's safe and settled down in Israel, he says to Joseph, it's okay, you can come back now. The Holy Spirit was integrally involved in the Christmas story. Jesus is baptized now as an adult as he's about to start his ministry. Who's present? Father, Son, and 
Holy Spirit descending in the form of a dove. Just as Jesus is about to start his ministry, he gets sent off into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days. Who's there? The Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit is the one who instigates the story of Christ, who is the agent of Christ's life. And he's the one who instigates his ministry. Matthew's at pains to tell us this. Why is it so important for Matthew? Why does Matthew in, in his gospel, why does he tell us all this stuff? He's telling us this because Matthew knows that without the Holy Spirit, there's no Christmas. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no Advent. There's no arrival of Jesus and there's no life. Matthew's telling us, church, without the Holy Spirit, there is no life. He is the one who brings life. The thing I want you to know this morning is that without the Holy Spirit, there is no life. You can be serving in church, but if the Spirit of God's not breathing in you, there's no life in it. You can be here at church worshiping with your hands up, but if there's no Spirit of God working in your life, there's no life. You can be uh, serving at shine, but if there's no Spirit of God in you, there's no life. Are you with me? The Holy Spirit's the one who brings life. Without Him, we're dead men walking. Talking about our life, did you know that we breathe 26,000 times a day, more or less? Now, we don't think about our breathing, do we? Do you know that we are supposed to, under ideal circumstances, and if we really breathe properly from our stomachs and not our chests, do you know that we're supposed to breathe between four and six times a minute? But instead, most of us breathe between 16 and 20 times a minute. Yeah, and if you're preaching to an unresponsive congregation, you preach... I told that to Edenvale. I don't have to worry about you guys. <laughs> we get 99% of our energy from breathing. Did you know that? And, and yet we, I mean, who thinks about their breathing? Until somebody tells you about breathing. Now you're also into, I can see you. All <laughs> we, d- we don't think about the Holy Spirit much, do we? And yet he's the life force within us. He is the life force within us. In the beginning, God formed man out of the dust, out of the ground, out of the clay. The Hebrew word for dust, for ground, for clay is Adama. Adama. Hence, Adam got his name. Man of dust. Man of clay, man of the earth. And he lay there, clay, a man of dust. The question was, can the dust live? I wonder, Pastor Donovan asked this question in a talk recently. Uh, it's, it's, this question's intrigued me. I wonder if as Adam lay there, as God had formed him with his hands, I wonder did he have lungs? Did he have an intestine? Did he have a spleen? Like, was, 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 did he have everything there? Was his heart there? 
I actually think it was. I think everything was resident in that clay man. That's why God called him an Adam, just the clay. And then God breathed. And he came to life. Watch this. Then the Lord God, in Genesis 2, 7, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He got his hands, do you know that man is the only creation where God got his hands dirty with us? Everything else he just spoke. We're literally formed in his image. Literally formed. Watch this. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. Just keep the scripture up there. And the man became a living person. The Hebrew word for breathe or breathe is ruach. It's a good name if you're thinking of ruach. It's an onomatopoeic word. It even sounds like what it's describing. Ruach. God breathed. It means wind. It means breath. It means spirit. So the man was lying on the ground, made from the dust of the ground, called Adam, because that's all he was until God breathed into him. And when God breathed his life, he came alive because he got the Spirit of God put into him. You know, you can be standing here, you can have everything functioning and not have the Spirit of God and not be alive. You can, you can be living but not living. You can be alive but not living. And God breathed, and the wind, the breath, the Spirit of God, and then he became a living man. You don't live until God breathes into you. When God was asked for his name, he gave a name. You know, the Hebrew people, the, Israel, the Jewish people, they, they, won't, they won't even utter the name of God. We, we, we have taken that name that God mentioned and we've put some vowels into it to give us Yahweh. But it's the Hebrew letters Y-H-W-H. yod Hey. Hey, even the name of God is breath. Yod. Hey. Yod. Hey. Vah. Hey. Yod. Hey. Vah. Hey. Are you with me? Even the name that God chose to describe himself with was a breath, was a wind, was a spirit. You know, when a baby is born, what's the first thing we all wait for? The first breath. Could it be that a baby doesn't live until it utters the name of God? Lord, You know, when we die, we're said to take our last breath. 
Could it be that the moment we can't say the name of God anymore, we cease to exist? Yod, hey, fa, hey. Even the name of God is spirit, breath, wind. And Matthew understood that the Holy Spirit was the vital ingredients in bringing life to our planet. And so in the beginning, God breathes life into Adam. Thousands of years later, there's like a mirror event that happens. Jesus has walked the earth, been crucified, buried, and on Resurrection Sunday, the same spirit that God breathed into Adam gets breathed into him. He resurrects, and he begins walking the earth now in this resurrection body. Come with me to John chapter 20. It says that's Sunday evening, so that's resurrection day, right? The disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. I would have had such fun with this kind of resurrection body. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being able to teletransport yourself anywhere? I would teletransport myself to the front of the buffet line. I would get to Starbucks and be right at the front of the queue. Can you imagine the fun? I mean, he's, I think he's having some fun here. And we know they freaked out because he goes, peace be with you. It's biblical language for chill out, Oaks. <laughs> and as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you, Jesus is ushering in something here, and the next sentence tells you when the course of history changed. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Up until then, they were men of clay, men of dust. The question can the dust live? Jesus realizes in that moment, God with us needs to change form. Jesus is in his resurrection body, but he knows he's only going to be hanging out for a couple of weeks. He knows these men, all of Christianity hinges on these men they are going to be responsible for spreading the good news of Christ for all of mankind. These men, I mean, the stakes were high. And so he's in his physical body. But he realizes something's got to shift. And Jesus ushers in a new era in this moment because he echoes what God did to Adam, he breathes. 
And in so doing, He puts the Holy Spirit on them, in them. I thought about a way to try and convey this to us. I've got here some dry ice. Anybody ever felt dry ice? Don't recommend it. I used to go to rugby games when I was a lighty down at Newlands, and the, the ice cream dudes used to come along and sell ice cream, you know? And of course, they had dry ice in, the, in those containers. And what we used to do is grab the dry ice as quickly as we could with our bare hands, and then throw it down our friend's shirt and watch them squirm. That's what boys do when they go to rugby, right? But, but it's physical. You can see it? it it's in one particular form. Jesus in this moment realizes the new era has to come. I can't stay in my physical, the mission of God cannot get done with me in my physical form. I've got to change form. I've got to change from the physical to the spiritual. Something's got to change. I, I need, the, the physical's got to, got to be mysterious. The solid has got to become spiritual. It's got to be able to permeate every ounce of every atmosphere that it begins to move in. And so in that moment, Christ gave them his spirit. So that, so that every person, every man, every woman would have his spirit so that we would not need a body of Christ simply, but that his spirit would invade every heart, every life. Look at, you see how its form changes. It can flood every heart. It can reach every person. And in so doing, Jesus ushers in a new era, a new covenant, where the Spirit of God resides in every heart. Here's the application for you this morning is that He brings you life. Not only new life, not only a secure eternity, not only eternal life, he, he brings that. But the Holy Spirit is life itself. Hope, peace, joy. Which is why Paul tells us a few decades after this that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because His life lives in you. May you create space for the Spirit of God this Advent season. To breathe in your life. Because the Spirit brings life. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. 
the Apostle Paul, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, this guy. He was an amazing man. He writes this incredible book to the church in Rome. I'm going to drop right down, guys, to verse 9. He says, but you're not controlled by your sinful nature anymore. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them, in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you even though your body will die because of sin. The Spirit gives you what? The Spirit gives you? Because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God, here's the key, who raised Christ from the dead. The Spirit of God who Jesus breathed into His disciples. What does the scripture say? Lives in you. And therefore, what he produces in you. Galatians 5.22. Love, joy, peace, patience. Even at the shopping malls in December, patience. Kindness. Even when the guy takes your parking spot. Anybody been there? Goodness. Goodness. Why don't you give something away this Christmas? Some clothes, some toys. Faithfulness. Be in church on Christmas Day, Christmas Eve. Bring family, bring friends. If you're going away to the coast, be at church on the co- in the coast. Wear slip-slops. I mean, just go for it. Gentleness. Self-control. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus.